Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. Today, I have a special guest that is joining me, Amy Scott. And she is going to be talking about financial coaching for women. We need to celebrate all our sheroes out there and tell them about financial stewardship. But before we dive in, let me give you a little bit more on Amy's background. She is a certified financial coach who teaches people a better way to budget so they feel confident and in control of their finances. Often called the Marie Kondo of personal finances, Amy has spent the last eight years helping individuals and couples to organize their finances, giving them more space to focus on what really matters to them. Amy worked as a financial advisor for four years before shifting to financial coaching in 2018. She is passionate about helping people to connect their everyday financial choices with their longer-term goals. She is on a mission to reduce financial stress, allowing people to pursue dreams that have previously gone unfulfilled. So without further ado, please help me welcome Amy Scott to GEMS Podcast. Thank you, Genesis. It's great to be here. And that was a lot of mouthfuls in that introduction. You did such a good job. (laughs) Thank you so much, Amy. And I'm super excited to talk with you and get involved in your world of things. And I definitely want the audience to feel connected as well. So we're going to include them in the next segment. So I definitely want to unpack who you are in a fun and personal way. So there are two options to choose from. We can do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I want to try an icebreaker. Okie dokie. We're breaking the ice with Amy. I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. And if you're feeling wild and frisky today, do both. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I'll have to go back a little bit in time because I don't feel quite as um, exciting nowadays, but I'll say some things for me that I did in the past that were like um, kind of wild and crazy. Back when I had finished college, I went traveling around Europe back when you could kind of do that and put on a backpack and do all the things. And I met someone who said that they owned a vineyard and they asked me to come work at their vineyard. So I actually went to a vineyard and ended up picking grapes for four months of my life and practicing my Italian. So that was, um, that was a fun, exciting thing that I did where I spent a lot of time and I never want to do any kind of gardening or farming ever again. That was like the end of that for me. I got the experience. So yeah. Wow. That is super cool. So when you spent time and this, this is going to be the last follow up question for this part. When you spent some time doing, um, the picking the grapes and going through the process. Did you get to make any wine by chance? Didn't really get to make wine because it turns out it's a much more complicated process than it's portrayed in movies. But the Italian couple that own the vineyard allowed us to actually do this like stomping on the grapes thing. 
they did actually allow us to do it. Unfortunately, this was like before the days of iPhones. So I don't have any like photos or video, but we got to do it. But then what happened was they had to discard all of those uh, grapes because it's like, that's actually very unsanitary and not how they make wine. But um, yes, I did get to have that experience. And I did the vineyard, honestly, because I wanted to be able to travel more and I'd run out of money. So that kind of started my money journey back in the day of like how can I keep doing things but get you know at that time I got free room and board to be able to have that experience super cool and thank you for sharing that and busting the myth because you bust. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to bust it some people are going to be really sad because they show that in movies but yes it's not true so now we're going to segue into the main focus of the conversation, which is financial coaching and how you help women find their relationship in the finances space, because, you know, sometimes women, let's be honest, we could be spenders and we like, we like what we like. And sometimes our likes can easily, you know, go over a bit. If you ask our spouses, because my husband's like, that was more like a want. And I said, but it was a want in your eyes, but a need in my eyes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so let's talk about um, how you pivoted from being a financial advisor into the financial coaching space, because they are slightly different because sometimes people are like, oh man, I can't go to a financial advisor because I don't have any money. Like, what are they going to advise me on? And in my personal opinion, I feel like that's a myth because you just never know where you could pull those resources from or how you could diversify and reallocate your funds. So I want to hear about the backend story because then it leads up to where you are now. And I think in order for us to appreciate where you are now, we have to know what made you have that aha moment and transition. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's definitely aha moment. I don't know if you've ever had these Genesis, but I tend to have aha moments and then I try to push them down a little bit. Like, no, that's going to be too hard. What's it going to take to do that? So I had worked in financial advising. That's kind of another story, but um, I had done it for a few years and I loved it. I loved it. I loved working with my clients. Um, I loved building relationships. I loved helping people like make good choices around their longer term financial goals. But I'll tell you what I kept seeing over and over was I would meet with folks and then we would, you know, dig into maybe what they were invested in or what life insurance or a rollover of 401k. But then what they'd really want help with was connecting their everyday financial choices. Those, I don't know what it was you bought that you know your husband thought was a, was a one and you thought was a need, but connecting those everyday financial choices we're making, what we're spending with the longer term goals. There was this, I, for lack of a better word, almost like a bridge missing. So the advising piece really was around that retirement, was around that life insurance, if God forbid you ever need that. And, but the day-to-day -day piece was missing. People would come to me and be like, yeah, we're budgeting, but they were really budgeting month to month. And in my perception, it was almost like they were trying to survive month to month. And maybe if they were married, not get into a fight or not go into more credit card debt or whatever, but they didn't see a bridge. They didn't see a pathway or connection. So I started working with my clients to say, you know, hey, let's dig more into the day-to-day. -day. And I started seeing transformations, which I hadn't before. I'd see folks and then six months later, we'd meet and they'd say, yeah, sounded great when we were in the office with you. And we made a, a change or two. And then we went home and went back to our same routines and patterns. And so what I found as an advisor was like, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper with folks. And almost like, I don't know if you could imagine this way, but almost like a personal trainer for your money. 
um, you know, imagine go to a personal trainer, they do an assessment, they weigh you, they have you run, you know, 40 yards, maybe they have you do a bunch of squats and see how you are. But then they don't just say, okay, you're off on your own, good luck making these changes. So I shifted over to financial coaching, really, because in the back of my mind, Genesis was, I can help people if I work with them longer on more um, long-term like building of a muscle around the, the, the finance piece. And what I saw with folks like myself was that we really weren't taught these things. So I say though, that it was kind of like this voice in the back of my head. It started in January, 2018. I need to make a switch. I didn't even know financial coaching was a thing. Honestly, I went down a tunnel on the internet one day, realized that there was a whole community of people doing this. And I said, I think those are my people but I didn't want to leave advising because I felt like I was leaving my people, leaving my book of clients, leaving, which in the financial advising world is a lot of like trails and, you know, income that I had built up. It felt like it would be a big leap into the unknown. But once I knew I couldn't unknow that that was the way I was really supposed to make my impact. So I said, I'm going to just try out this financial coach Academy for a few months in that spring. And I fell in love with it. And by May of that year, I had switched over to coaching. And that's amazing. And I like the fact that you said you needed to go deeper with those individuals because financial Mm -hmm. advising, it's really cool, but they only do so much. And I feel like they sit on the surface level, but within financial coaching, you get to understand more about their lifestyle. What is it that you that you want? What is your end goal in your mind? Then you begin to help them navigate what vehicles to, to use in order to reach their end goal. What are some of the things that matter to them? What are their, fin- their financial struggles, their pain points? How can you be a solution to bridge the gap? What do they like to do with their family and et cetera? Because you, if you understand the holistic view of things, then you're going to be able to give them the blueprint on how to meet certain things that they need. But then I like, I also resonated with how you said, I felt like they were my people. I didn't want to leave my people. But then I feel like when people leave financial advising, and this is from the outside looking in, so correct me if I'm wrong, you could take the people that you meet from the inside within financial advising and say, hey, I'm also offering this service. I think it will benefit you over here and then cross pollinate them into the new sector. Did you do that? I did. I had a lot of clients who, when I told them, because I, yeah, I'm just that person. I like one-on-one was telling people whether they had a thousand dollars invested with me or 500,000 invested with me, I still like nurtured those relationships and just said, this is what I'm moving over to do. I want to be solely focused on financial, the coaching piece. And I would explain it. And it was funny because my clients, almost all of them said, oh, that's what you do with us. Like, great. I'll just work with you over here. Like it was no big deal to them to switch over. They felt like, okay, my funds are already set up where they're set up. I don't necessarily need, I can work with a different advisor to do that piece. What you do is different. And I guess that's what I'd heard for those few years as an advisor was I never worked with an advisor like you, like you're, you're, you're looking at things differently than other people. And I think I just didn't, it was what I didn't know. I didn't know. I really respect all the financial advisors that I partner with right now because they honestly have a bunch more knowledge and they can understand a lot of the ways that people retire and save for retirement better than I think I ever did. 
but I had a way of making people feel comfortable and that's what they were looking for. So yes, there was definitely, like I said, that cross-pollination or at least my people know that they can always come to me with questions. I call them part of my tribe. I will literally still have financial advising clients who send me an email or call me and have a one-off question. And I say, okay, I want you to ask your advisor, but this is my perspective on it. And I like that, how you um, separate the two, but then you also know enough about financial advising where you could help them from the coaching aspect because you've been there and you've done that. And don't get me wrong, people at Edward Jones, Northwestern Mutual, and et cetera, what they do is phenomenal, but sometimes you just need a little bit more in order to reach your end goals, and that's okay. And I know right now your avatar are women. So how can we as women do a better job with financial steward stewardship? Um, because sometimes like my background is oil and gas and I'm going to be honest, whenever, um, I started in oil and gas, it's like, oh, wow, you're making, you're making all this money, especially whenever you're, you're young and you get into oil and gas, but you also have to know how to be strategic. And sometimes whenever you're talking to a millennial and this may be their first job, or in my case, it was my third job. Cause I did real estate worked at the cancer center. Then I got sucked into the web of oil and gas for 12 years. Um, oh, wow. Um, so when I was in there, I was like, I want to take a class that tells me about, you know, financial stewardship. How do I start, you know, navigating the market early on? How do I, you know, make my money work for itself and et cetera, because I knew I wanted to put X amount of money into the 401k and I was only going to put the max that the company was going to match. And then the rest of it, I was going to diversify. But if you don't really have those strategies, then I feel like you are doing yourself a disservice. And yes, I like to spend, like I like to spend money on my nails. I'm going to get my nails done today. Um, <laughs> and my hair, my hair is nat- naturally curly, but I would always straighten my hair doing these Dominican blowouts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things cost. And sometimes, you know, I could do it myself which is definitely a want in my husband's thing, but I need to feel luxurious. I need to have someone do certain things. And I feel like sometimes we as women, we feel like, oh, if we have the money, then I don't need you telling me how to spend my money because this is the money that I make. Mm -hmm. But then it comes a point where, for example, the pandemic, if you didn't steward your money effectively and you got furloughed or you got laid off, you only had a certain amount of money to live off of. But what would it have looked like if we were good stewards of our finances? Mm -hmm. I think people would have been better prepared once they got the news of a furlough or a layoff. And I hope that question makes sense because I wanted to kind of paint a visual picture for the audience to get a glimpse. Yeah. So I think there's probably, I I definitely got the question. There's probably several different layers in there. I want to say a couple of things specifically for women. And I do work with women mainly because, um, I think in a lot of ways, everybody, but women in particular, have a lot of shoulds around our finances, okay? So in my experience, there's a lot of, well, it sounds like you actually are pretty powerful around your finances, but a lot of times when I work with women, maybe especially after they've had kids or they're in a relationship or there's some other way, they're contributing to their parents, whatever it is, they feel like, oh, I shouldn't be spending this amount of money right? I shouldn't be doing this. Women, men, couples, whatever. There's a lot of shoulding on ourselves. And I like to say that should will never carry the day. 
right? It's kind of like, should like, oh, well, I really should go to the gym, but you know, this X, Y, and Z happened. The same thing around our finances. Typically when folks come to me, it's because they have a judgment. And I think that's where should plays in of, well, I shouldn't be spending so much on my hair or I should be putting more into retirement or we should be, you know, saving for a house more. It's not my job, honestly, as a financial coach to say what you should or shouldn't be doing. It's my job to really have you look at the way that you are spending money and shine an objective light to make sure that how you're spending isn't aligned with what you value, right? There's that expression, don't tell me what you value, show me your checkbook, which nobody uses. So show me your budget and show me your um, calendar and I'll tell you what you value. That truly is the job of a financial coach, I think, to be listening in and looking at those numbers and say, hey, Genesis, you said that you, you know, and your husband really value travel you know, besides COVID, you haven't done and taken a vacation in three years, for example, because a lot of times what we think we value, it doesn't necessarily equate to what's in our calendar or what we're spending on. So that's one piece of it is getting clear on what those values are, because a lot of times folks will come to me and say, well, I'm spending too much on going out to eat. I'm here to say, well, what actually are you spending? Have you looked at that? Or every time you spend, do you feel like it's beyond what you should be doing? So my goal, again, is to connect those everyday financial choices, the hair, the nails, the going out to eat with those longer term goals, because it's totally fine if, especially if you're in a couple, but even as a single woman, like I say, this is important to me, like, for example, for two years to have a down payment saved for my house. A lot of times with finances, it's very vague. Like, well, I think I'm moving in that direction. Maybe I am. I'm like, let's get it clear. You're here. You want to be here. It's almost like Waze, right? Like, I don't know if you ever use Waze when you're in your car, like Google Maps or Waze. The yes. idea is, right? You're here right now, Genesis. You want to be here in two ways. Waze doesn't say this is the only way, right? It's like, here's where you are. You want to have that house down payment of $50,000 in two years. Here's one way to go, the quickest way. Here's the way where, you know, you could still go out to eat twice a week, for example. And here's the way that, for example, may get you there a little bit later, but you feel like your values are all being um, tended to, for example. I think that's really important. I don't think that there's a one size fits all, but so often it's very vague. It's very ambiguous. And in my experience, a lot of people don't actually want to look at the numbers. There's a lot of putting our heads in the sand and like, quote unquote, hoping it will work out. Because what I hear is, I'm not good with numbers. Um, I'm not doing as well as I can. I'll get to it later. My life is too busy. My kids need me to blah, 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 right? So my job is to really take where they have a lot of judgment around their personal finances. Your personal finances, Genesis, are not personal to me. My personal finances are very personal to me. I have a lot of judgments around my personal finances, but yours aren't. So again, it's that objective point of view to say, what is it like you were saying before that you value, what your goals are and really what people need more than anything else is a step-by-step plan that shows them how they can get there and what they're going to need to do along the way. Not because they should, not because they shouldn't but because following this particular path will get them to what they say is important to them as an option. 
Yeah, it, de- it definitely oh, does yeah. because it's like you're building you're building that blueprint with them and then once the blueprint is built then you're going to show them, okay these are the steps that we're going to take in order to materialize the blueprint so if you're thinking about like for example we'll use the home analogy whenever mm-hmm. you go into the design center they let you pick out certain things but there are certain stages in order for your house to be built Like they have to lay the foundation. Once the foundation is laid, they have to test it to make sure that they could build the rest of the structure because if the foundation is not steady and it has cracks or et cetera, they cannot start to build the rest of the home because your home is not going to be able to withstand. And also whenever you put the foundation in with the cement, you have to have certain tensile strength, which are the crowbars that go in to pull because depending on where you live, like we live in Texas, your house expands um, and it also shrinks and we have to be mindful of certain things. And then whenever you get time with the sheetrock, they have to make sure the sheetrock is placed. They have to um, use the, the guns and the different stuff to like measure it. There's so many different components. So if you think about it this way, I'll use another analogy. Women, some of us, we love Starbucks and there's other of you who love Dunkin' Donuts or if you're Canadian, hey, my Canadian listeners, you may like Tim Hortons or et cetera. But if you are saving for a down payment of a home, what would it look like if you go out to Costco, Sam's, or BJ's and you buy the Keurig cups versus paying five, anywhere from five to eight dollars at a Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, or et cetera? Take that money and re, replant it. And when I say replant it, because you're taking it from putting it in the consumer's market, plant it into your own bank account. And then in lieu of that, you're making your own coffee at home. You're buying your creamers in bulk and then you're saving that. And before you know it, the money that you are spending over over there for the coffee is building up in your savings. And now you're going to be closer to having that down payment. It's a little things like that. What can we stop doing for a period of time? It's not going to be forever. It's just a period of time in order for you to build excess money over here so you could put it where you really want to go. And I think that's a good tool to use as women that has helped me. And for those of you who like to eat out, one thing that helped me, my husband's like, we're gonna meal prep. So whether we're batch cooking and we're cooking a bunch of chicken breasts at at a time, and then we're using the chicken breast that's already cooked to make different meals. And we already know what we're we're having. So not only are we meal prepping, but we're also being intentional on what's going in our body because we're not hitting up the fast foods or et cetera. And that's giving us a holistic view. These are just some tangible things that I have done by myself and with my husband that has helped us reach some of our financial goals. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So uh, Amy, another question that I have for you, whenever you're doing the financial coaching outside of getting to know the individual, what some of their wants and needs are, how, um, how do you tackle those individuals that come to you and say, Amy, I want to be done paying off this debt in a certain amount of time. Do you go through like the snowball method, the avalanche method, or is there another method that you use with those individuals? So if folks come to me, a couple of things is that I, there are many different methods to pay off debt. And I definitely think that there's no one size fits all for sure. So definitely before jumping into lots of times, people like, this is the result that I want. And I love your analogy around the foundation of the house. It's like, okay, well, 
that's kind of like the third story window to me, honestly, even though people come in and they're like, yeah, I really want that, you know, specific, like, what is it like bay windows with a nice place to sit? And you're like, yeah, that's great. But like the foundational piece, I think again, is connecting those everyday financial choices so that you can see week to week, paycheck to paycheck, month to month, the impact of cutting back. If you are going to meal prep, if you are going to skip out on, you know, having cable, again, I like to say for this season of life, I like how you said that it's for a time period. I think about it as a season, like for this season of life, are you willing to push pause on, on some of these things, some expenses, or are you willing to work more? It's always, you know, no, I'm not willing to push pause on cable. Okay, great. Are you willing to work more so that you can cover that? So I like making that connection. And then often people will say, hey, yeah, I really want to get out of debt. The piece for me, Genesis, is getting to how did you get into that debt to begin with? And how have you already tried paying off debt? Because I want to understand, and a lot of times with my clients, again, when they've come to the point where they want a financial coach, they're willing to invest time, money into that, they have tried some things on their own. They've probably done Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. They may have taken a class around it. They may have paid off debt six different times. They may have put money onto 0% credit cards, like all the things. They often have a lot of knowledge around it, but what they haven't done is look and see, well, what thoughts do they have around that? How did it work up to a certain point? And then you stopped with that plan. I don't think it's because of whatever method you used. I typically find that it's because of a decision that the client made in that moment. And that's what I really want to get to with them is that there's not going to be this is the right method for you. It's why have you in the past stopped using that method, right? What is it you said about yourself? What's That's the mindset piece, right? Um, but I will typically encourage like four different methods for folks and see what fits best for them. As far as the debt snowball paying off the lowest balance first, I typically for folks who the interest rates are variable, right? So it doesn't, and they may have a couple of debts that are very small and they want to have that experience of an emotional win to begin with. That can work well. Um, the avalanche, as far as the highest interest rates, I have a lot of people who want to do that. But sometimes the highest interest rate is a $25,000 debt versus a $3,000 debt. Are they going to stay motivated to keep paying the highest interest debt? So it kind of depends on where they come in. Um, and sometimes with my folks, so for example, my husband and I, my background's actually in public health. I have a master's in public health. I was in women's health for many years. So I actually um, contend that financial literacy, financial wellness is a public health issue, although I never studied that in a, in a class. But I mean, looking at it and the amount of stress and mental health issues that finances cost for people, I do think it's intertwined. That might be a way to say to myself, it was a good investment of my money to get that master's. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, when we had two kids, and I told you earlier, they were really back to back, I wanted to take some time off with the kids. And so I share this because we had a car payment that was our highest, second highest payment other than our mortgage monthly. And I think it was like 432 a month. So before we had our second son, what we did was we used the debt um, reduction method. And I don't know what it's called. I think Robert Kiyosaki talks about it in Rich Dad, Poor Dad with the idea of paying off what's the highest monthly payment. Because what we were looking to do, Genesis, was free up some money in our budget. We wanted to have fewer line items so that my husband is a high school teacher. If we were going to survive off his income, we needed to get rid of what some of our expenses were for the month. 
So we went all out reducing other things for that season, bringing in extra income so that we had the option of me staying home for that time with them and taking some more time off work. So that's a third method. If I have somebody who comes to me and their budget is so, so tight, it may make sense for them to pay a a higher monthly payment off regardless of what the balance is and regardless of the interest rate. And then the last one is typically with folks, they may have a debt that they hate more. They're really, really mad about. I personally work with a lot of women who are going through divorce and um, they are looking to manage their finances on their own after having been with a partner who maybe the partner managed the finances, maybe they manage them, but they're in a very new place of their life and they're looking for support in that place. Sometimes they have divorce lawyers who maybe a $6,000 bill that they don't have interest on for a year, but they hate paying 500 every month to that bill. And they're motivated and fired up to pay off that debt first. Now, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, they'd probably lose it and say, no, that's not the way. But my job as a coach is to really listen for what debt are you most motivated to pay off? Because that's the one that's going to fire you up and you're going to go for it as opposed to what the right way to pay off debt is. And thank you for talking about those four four different types of methods, because I think that would apply to anyone who's listening, depending on where they are in their journey or the season that they're in in their life. And I love how you say seasons because seasons change just like we as individuals change and evolve. So, Amy, I want to throw you an audible here. Is there something that I didn't ask or something you want to share to add value to the conversation before we jump into the call to action? Oh, I, I, what most comes to me, Genesis, is anyone who's listening to this podcast, because I've listened to a bunch of your episodes, is somebody who's growth-minded. And I think when people will often say to me, like, what's one thing I can do around my finances? And I will say something like, probably not exactly like this, but be growth-minded. Listen to podcasts, read books, have conversations and a community of people, whether it's online or in person that will support you in being growth-minded, that's the number one thing. Because people say, should I have a financial? I don't know. Just find a community of people that's as growth-minded as you are because I don't think we do a good job, maybe in Canada for your Canadian or Australian listeners, but in the US, we do a deplorable job at teaching about financial literacy and financial empowerment and financial mindset. So I applaud you for conducting these interviews, but also your audience for just being engaged in this conversation. There's always more to learn. Thank you so much, Amy, for adding that. And now let's jump into the call to action. What is your call to action for the audience once they hear your tips and your strategies and they're like, oh my gosh, Amy is my type of girl, my (laughs) type of woman. She's speaking to women, she's helping women. I just need more of Amy. Do you have a challenge for that woman? Or it could be a man who just loves working with women. Um, Do you have a challenge, um, any resources you want to share or et cetera? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, what I, my call to action would be a, what I just said, as far as like, learn more, be growth minded. But if people are like, what are some of the first few steps that you recommend? I do have a resource that's on my website. It's called three steps to a better budget. And, you know, you think it's, oh, it's about budgeting. It really is an entire document that I have put together over the years with my clients to say, this is a new way to look at your finances. However, you've been doing it up to this point, this is a line in the sand, game-changing kind of way. If it's going how you want it to go, great. But if you say, 
gosh, I keep coming upon the same issues or I'm doing really well, but I'd like to start my own business. I'd like to cut back on my hours. I'd like to start a podcast like Genesis, right? If you're in that kind of a place where there's some kind of pain point, I recommend that people go to the website and just download that, read through that. There's some steps really about taking control and creating confidence around your finances that I find make a difference for folks. Amazing. And thank you, Amy. Amy, now for what the viewers have been waiting for, as well as you listeners out there, plug your website and where do you primarily hang out on social media? Well, my, my website is really easy and it's Amy Scott Coaching. So I married someone with the last name Scott and I just took that last name. So it's Amy Scott Coaching and I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well at Amy Scott Financial Coaching. So that's the best place to find me, Genesis. Amazing. And thank you so much, Amy, for just coming into the community and just sharing your knowledge and just really giving that encouraging empowerment for our community today. Audience, all of Amy's contact information will be in the show notes. You need to read, scroll on down and tap in with her. This content is found on over 40 plus platforms. And you can see the video to this recording by going to our YouTube channel, which is GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amars Kemp. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the mission behind the podcast, as well as the guests that I bring on to share their expertise with us so we can learn more and grow. We are now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com is where you will find those metrics. And for those of you interested in becoming a brand sponsor, we definitely need more support. You can find more info by going to genesismarskemp.net or sending me a personalized email with the um, subject line being sponsorship dot 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 to genesisamarskemp at gmail.com. And until the next episode, next guest, make sure you have a right relationship with your money. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Financial literacy and stewardship is going to help you get to your goals, but you have to start by answering yourself honestly and talking about those ugly truths in order to get past that denial state so you can begin to navigate where you want to go financially. So definitely share this segment with someone and just really have a brain mapping session to understand where are you currently with your finances? Where is it that you're trying to go and what you need to do in between in order to fill that gap? So until the next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com. 
where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.